Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bible, smartphones, or tablets and want to turn to that passage, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, that is what we're going to be looking at, and we're going to uh, work our way through a series, uh, The Churches of Revelation, and uh, want to uh, take a look this morning at the Church of Ephesus. Uh, I love pastoring in a small town. Where else can you go where you would get a full-page article about having front doors installed? So, like, I mean, I, I, I just, I, this is amazing. I, you know, now, if we can just get people to talk as much about Jesus as they are about our front doors, that'd be awesome. Most people love them. A few people don't. And so, yeah, it's all, it's all good. But I'm, I'm, it's, it, it's been fun. I, I've, I've enjoyed this. Wouldn't it be amazing to get a postcard from Jesus? Well, that's, that's uh, what happened to the seven churches. And today we're going to take a look at the church of Ephesus. And they got this postcard from Jesus and addressing what was going on in their situation. But Jesus, what Jesus was saying to them is also applicable to us. See, we're going through the seven, seven churches, and at the end of each letter, something, um, there's a phrase something like this. Whoever has ears, that'd be you and I, but they're talking about spiritual ears. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Talking to both the churches, plural. Jesus is saying, if you can hear what the Spirit of God is saying then what is written is not just for this particular church, but it is for my church, plural. In fact, if we have ears to hear, we'll be able to hear what God wants to say to Asbury through what he is saying to these churches. And I believe what, what the Lord had to say to the church of Ephesus has potential to speak to a lot of us here today. I, I see uh, some of us in them, I've seen myself in them too many times. But before we get to the letter, let me give you just a little bit of background. Ephesus was a large, influential city. It was a city full of commerce, and it had a big religious contingent as well. Center of the city, there was this big temple dedicated to the, the goddess Artemis, or uh, I think the, the Greeks would call her Di Diana. Um, she was the goddess of the hunt and the goddess of fertility. People would make long pilgrimages to this temple. This made for a brisk tourist trade. And uh, instead of getting t-shirts that says, I heart Artemis, uh, craftsmen from the city were employed to make idols. A bit of the kids uh, that day were probably saying, yeah, my, my kids went to Ephesus and all I got was this lousy idol. But, you know, that's, that's, what, the, that's what the tourist trade had. They were making idols. Now, the church at Ephesus was, was made by, or founded by the Apostle Paul. You can read about it in Acts chapter 19. Paul goes to the local synagogue. He finds that people have heard about John the Baptist and about repenting, but they really haven't heard about Jesus. They haven't received the Spirit. Uh, and so Paul told them about Jesus and about receiving the Spirit. Uh, some who believed were filled with the Spirit. Um, those who believed were filled with the Spirit. And they were eventually kicked out of the synagogue. They went to another hall. 
And God was at work in a powerful way, just an amazing way. People were being healed. People were being delivered from the demonic oppression uh, was being lifted. And many, many, many people were following Jesus. There were so many people following Jesus, in fact, um, that uh, it started to impact the economy of Ephesus. Um, there uh, were a lot of people who were involved in sorcery and uh, became followers of Jesus, and they ended up disposing of their books on witchcraft and sorcery, which in today's money would, would have been hundreds of thousands of dollars. So many people started to follow Jesus, and that began to worry the craftsmen uh, that were employed by the tourist trade. And they caused a riot, and Paul had to flee the city. But the church, the church in Ephesus was established. Now we come to our passage in Revelation chapter 2. Fast forward about 35 years. The Ephesian church had, had some of the finest pastors first century had to offer. Paul, of course, the founding pastor. Timothy had pastored there for a, a, a long while. Even the apostle John, who was writing this letter, uh, had pastored at Ephesus for a time. 35 years. And Jesus shows up. You were here last week, um, you heard about how John's vision uh, of Jesus, that he was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day, and he had this amazing vision, and it says, write down what you see. If you didn't catch it, I encourage you to go back on YouTube or on a podcast and, and listen, listen to the sermon. Revelation chapter... 1 verse 12 and 13 we looked at it last week john was in the spirit he said i turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me and when i turned around i saw seven golden lampstands and among the lampstands was was someone like the son of man talking about jesus right then then we hear about what the the, the lampstands are in verse 20 the mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the, are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now notice how the letter to the Ephesians starts out. Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, and who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Remember what the lampstands are? The churches. It says the Ephesians, I am walking among the church. I'm walking amongst you. In other words, I know who you are. Whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I believe that the Spirit would say to us, Asbury, I know who you are. Some of you will find that comforting, some of you will find that disconcerting, but Jesus would say to us, I, I walk among you. I'm here in your midst. I see, I hear, I know you. So Jesus goes on to say to the church in Ephesus, verse 2, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you, you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not. You found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Jesus says, I, I know what you've done. Yeah, I, I see it. 
I know how hard you have worked, and I've seen your perseverance. Remember, these are people who are under persecution. Domitian is as outlawed Christianity, and so these people claiming the name of Christ are persecuted. I, I see your perseverance. I even know about the dilemmas you face. So you have people coming and saying, hey, you know, I'm an apostle. I'm an apostle. You've tried them, and you know that's not true. You found them to be false. You figured out what was true and what isn't. You persevered. And you're correct the, uh, theologically. It goes on a little later to say, you know, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. You, you know what's right theologically. You get it. You've endured. You've done the right things. I believe Jesus would say to us, I, I know you too. I, I know Asbury. I see what you've been through the last couple of years. And I know that there were times where you were just holding it together. But you're persevering. I know that there were pretty dark times. I see that. I know that too. I understand. You made it this far. I'm with you. Unlike the Ephesians, many of us have grown weary. Many of us are just tired. God sees that too. And he knows it. He understands it. He says, I know your hard work. A lot of you have really had to work hard during this pandemic. Jesus knows that. Extra strain and stress on your family, on your friends, on the church. Um, this has been a curious time in the life of the church. Now, coming out of the pandemic, uh, one, of the, one of the challenges right now is uh, find it really hard to find volunteers in the last couple of months. And I've talked to a lot of pastors, same thing all over Canada, actually. Um, and I think people have just, uh, they're really tired from the pandemic, and I'm, I think Jesus gets that too. Hoping that will change come September. Part of being a follower of Jesus is stewarding our time, our talent, our energy, so that we can be generous with our time, our talent, and our energy. But I want you to know that Jesus gets where you're at right now. Then Jesus says this, verse 3. You have persevered and endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love. He said, I, I see the hard work, I see the perseverance, I see the theological correctness, but you've lost your first love. What happens if you lose your love? You don't have love? Remember what Paul said, 1 Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men, of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Clang. Yeah, beautiful music, clang. I have gifts of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge. Wow. You know those people who just 
know their Bible well, they have all the answers, it just seems like they're really smart, they have this gift of knowledge, you ask them, and, and they, they know the mysteries of life. If I have the faith where I can move mountains, yeah, say, this mountain, go there, and, and it goes. But I do not have love, nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give my body over to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. You may have it all, you may give it all, but if you don't have love, it's nothing. Pretty astounding, actually. People in 1 Corinthians 13 were amazing people, spiritual gifts all over the place. They were doing good things. They were persevering. They were giving to the poor. Look what Jesus says in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4. I hold this against you. You've forsaken your first love that, uh, that you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Remember what the lampstand is? That's the church. I'm going to remove your lampstand? I'm going to remove the church. If you don't love, the church is going to cease to exist. If you don't love, then I won't allow your church to continue. Some people ask, when, when Jesus says, You've lost your first love. Is he referring to loving God or is he referring to loving others? Answer is yes. Both and. Two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. When the church doesn't do that, it's not really worthy to be called a church. I want you to know as a pastor this really disturbs me. Um, because it's easier for a church to produce great ministries than it is for, that, for us to produce great lovers. It's easier to produce great programs than it is to produce people who love who really love God, really love others. It's really easy to celebrate the, the things that are, are happening. And there are some great things that are happening around here. But love, sometimes love goes unnoticed. Sometimes you just don't see it, except if you're the person being loved. You know, you know and I know that when you stand back and you look at a church, what's, what's really important is how we love, how we love God, how we love others. For instance, our kids. I know it's really important for our Sunday school teachers to teach great lessons and where they, the kids just love being in Sunday school. That's awesome. But lessons like sermons... 
won't be remembered all that long, but they'll remember a Sunday school teacher who loved them. They will. We can do great things, but if those things aren't motivated by love, then we're not being who we're called to be. Many acts of love happen in the background or go unheralded and unnoticed. And where it gets really tricky is that you can do the same action with love and without love. But Jesus sees. Jesus walks amongst us. And our love does not go unnoticed by him. In fact, this is what our church is primarily rated on. Do we love God? Do we love each other? Do we love our world? That's how Jesus judges us. As you know, love is not primarily a feeling. It's an action. And often, this action wars against our selfish feelings. You know me. You know that I am, by nature, uh, an introvert. A raging introvert, in fact. So sometimes it's easier for me to be alone than with people. But when Jesus calls, I need to choose against those easy feelings and choose to love. When Jesus was on earth, there were times when he was tired. But then he'd look over the crowd and they looked like a, a sheep, sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion on him. And so he loved them and taught them, was with them. Sometimes love is doing what you're called to do rather than what you feel like doing. You may notice that while we involve, invite people around here to be involved, we do not pressure people around here to be involved. There's a reason for that. When you get work done by putting people under pressure to get work done, that has a way of warring against love. It's unhelpful. But sometimes, sometimes what we haven't been good at and we need to get great at is helping people connecting the dots between what they do and um, loving God. Now that we have chairs, there will be times when we will have to set up, take down chairs. People who do that can feel like, oh, you know, this is just a, 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 um, a mundane task. But you know what? Because people have done that mundane task, there was a lasagna supper in here on Wednesday, the youth spread the chairs out on Friday, but because people set up the chairs, you get to sit there and you get to worship. They loved you even though you didn't see it. Sometimes just doing the garden outside is a way of showing people, yeah, there's people who care about the church and that sends a message about what they think about God too. Sometimes loving is doing the mundane things and people won't even see it, but you're loving God in it. So what did the Jesus call the church at Ephesus to do? It says this, verse 5, Consider how far you've fallen, repent, 
and do the things you did at first. Consider how far you've fallen. Consider, look back where you've been, look at where you are. Do you, you see the difference? Whenever we come, to back, come back to God, we, um, we need to get perspective. Here God's pointing out the difference, and look at where you were, look at where you are. Now, I get it that, that many of us, when we became followers of Jesus, there was this new passion, just this amazing new passion, and, and we were just passionate about God and the things of God and the Word of God and telling people about God. It's kind of analogous to when a couple gets married. There's a, hopefully, a honeymoon period where everything is new and exciting. But after you've been married for a while, love is different. It's not butterflies and fireworks, but if it's a good marriage, love will grow and love will deepen. The friendship will grow. The companionship will deepen. As you know, sometimes things can go sideways in a marriage. So you keep on going through all the motions, but there's not the same kind of love or intimacy that there used to be. When people read this passage, they, they have this tendency to read first love as the feelings I had when I first became a Christian. And all those fireworks that went off and everything was new. That's not what's going on here. Jesus is, does not expect our love to remain immature. He expects our love to grow. But just like a good marriage, we're spending time together is good and experiencing life together is good, even when life isn't good. There's a desire to be with each other. It's the kind of love that Jesus is describing when he talks about first love. That love that has learned to abide in him. We know that he is in us. Where we just learn to be with him. And it's good. But like a marriage, things can go sideways. In Ephesus, they were going through the motions. Do you remember what it's like to abide with me, he sees, says to the Ephesians? Do you remember what it was like just for us to hang out together? Where we just you be in my presence? It's the kind of love that he's describing when he talks about first love. The love of abiding in him. Consider, he says. And then he says, repent and do the things you did at first. He did not say repent and feel the things you did, felt at first. And there's a difference. Repentance, repentance is a wonderful concept. Um, it means that currently I am not headed towards God. I may be running away from him, but more likely I'm not so much running away as I'm drifting away by degrees. Now, if the, the chairs weren't here in this room and I said, okay, I am going to walk straight out front door. So I would line myself up, square my body up, and I would walk, and I would walk straight out the door. You know? But if I wasn't watching, I shifted just a little bit, I'd end up in the basement. 
just some degrees off. Your body turns a little bit. You don't end up outside, you end up in the basement. It doesn't have to be a significant margin of error to, to miss where you want to be. Repentance is realizing I'm heading towards the basement. I need to shift and head back towards God. Repentance is making a course correction. So I am heading straight to where God's arms are extended and ready to embrace me. Going through the motions, but I'm moving towards him. Repentance. Of our lack for God, love for God and love for each other. I don't know about you, but there have been various times in my Christian life where I've had to repent like that. Um, there were times when I was so busy doing things for God that I wasn't spending much time with God. And my prayers would be, God bless me, as I ran out the door, went on to the next good thing to do. That can happen. Become like Martha scurrying around and trying to get everything done. Jesus says, Mary's chosen the better thing. Just be with me for now. Maybe that's you. I know so many of you do so many good things. Don't make the mistake of equating doing good things for God and being with God, abiding in him. Some of you are really busy grandparents. Way to go. That's your call in your life right now. Be good grandparents. Don't get so busy, though, being grandparents that you forget to be people of God. There have been other times in my life where I wasn't so much busy, but stuff had happened, and, well, I was either angry with God or I doubted God or I was just kind of ticked off with God. There were things that I prayed about again and again and again and again. And he didn't come through the way I thought he should. I got frustrated with God. I said, God, what's the point of spending time with you? I don't feel like you're going to help when I need it. So I do the right things. I like the Ephesians, you know. I did the right things. Theologically, I was correct but not with the best heart. There came a point where God said, are you going to love me if things never change? Yeah, Lord, I'll love you if things never change. And started heading back towards him. Repentance. Sometimes God calls us to trust him in the dark valley when we can't really see the next step and we don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But we're going to walk and follow him nevertheless. There's a time in my life where God had withdrawn his consciousness from me. 
Old mystics call this the dark night of the soul, where you're called to walk by faith and not by sight. There's no consolation. You don't feel God. You, don't, you go to Scripture and it feels like dust. You're not getting it. You used to just pop a Scripture popped and it wouldn't anymore. And you're saying, God, I didn't... What did I do wrong? Can't it feel like Job? And says, I, look, I can't see I did anything wrong. Just shall live by faith. And there were times in that place where I didn't walk by faith and I had to repent. And God came through. God brought me to a place of decision. Would I repent and move on back towards God, live by faith? Or if, even if I couldn't sense God or feel God? I don't know where you're at in your spiritual journey. That's just part of mine. But maybe you've got to a place where Jesus is speaking to the Ephesians, but he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And you hear and say, yeah, I can see myself there. What does he say? Consider how far you've fallen. You're not abiding with me anymore. Our relationship isn't what it needs to be right now. Repent. Reorient yourself to me. See all the good that you've done. I'm, I'm there. I'm, I, I'm very, very close to you. But would you just make that turn by degrees? Hear the words of Jesus. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is from the paradise of God. Jesus says to them, you hear what I'm saying and act on it? I'm going to give you life in this world and in the one to come. You're going to see what my spirit will do. So how are you doing loving God, loving people? You know, as I was writing this, I had to say, oh, there are some places. That's a good, it's not never bad when God talks to you, right? But sometimes we, we, we have to say to him, Lord, I'm sorry. And then we walk back towards him. Here's the great thing about God. He's standing there with arms open wide and said, oh, wow, <laughs> I love you so much. I loved you when you were heading the wrong way. But, oh, it's, it, it's so much better when we're together. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I invite you, just in the silence of this moment, to examine our heart. We consider where we've been. Is there places where we haven't been heading towards you? Would you bring those to our mind right now? Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for not loving you well and not loving others well. Because, Lord, we know that we're supposed to love, but sometimes we don't do it well, very well at all.
And so, Lord, we would say again, you're Lord. Whatever the circumstances are, you're Lord. We come to you. And we repent. And we give thanks for the grace to do that. Sing the song with me. He is Lord. He is Lord. He has risen from the dead. And He is Lord. Every Worship you, Lord, for who you are. You are so good and gracious and merciful and loving. And we give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care. And God bless.